what does proof of work have to do with proof of stake? If you ask most Bitcoiners, they'd say not that much. That's why I had to get today's podcast guest on the show because he's building something really interesting at the intersection of both that might very synergistically solve problems on both sides. So just to bracket real quick, there's two kind of elements you want to keep in your head. First, think about BTC, the asset, which is this $500 billion market cap asset, largely sat off to the side, kind of in cold storage, hodled, waiting for it to appreciate. Second is proof of stake networks, which require capital like that BTC asset to secure themselves. So if you could blend those two, maybe you could do a best of both worlds and people can get yield on one side and more security on the other. So that's why I had to get David to say on the podcast, he is the co-founder of Babylon Chain, which is trying to build this protocol that allows you to lock up BTC in what they call Bitcoin staking and secure proof of stake blockchains. So we talk about a, co- a, a ton of topics. David is super accomplished. Previously, he was foundational for some early work on 3G, 4G, and 5G networks. Uh, so a lot of his work goes into the stuff we use every day with our smartphones. And so he was trying to help people communicate as many as possible. And now he's turning his focus to blockchains, which is more about coordination. How do we get coordination on a global scale? So we cover some of his background, but mostly I want to understand this Bitcoin staking protocol and Babylon because I don't understand most of what's going on on the kind of Ethereum side of the pond. So I'm very ignorant. So I asked a lot of dumb questions and David was very gracious and dropped a lot of gems. So without further ado, this was a fantastic, fantastic conversation with David Say, co-founder of Babylon Chain. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. David, how are you doing, man? Great. Nice to be here, Jake. Glad glad to have you. Uh, what you're building is super interesting, although we're just talking off camera and it's like, there's so much about what you're building that I don't understand. It's, it feels odd for some reason. You're kind of a weird mix of proof of work meets proof of stake in a way that that uh, is very unique. So I really want to explore that topic. But uh, maybe just a bracket, I'm curious, do you, how do you identify yourself in like the crypto space? Do you call yourself a Bitcoiner? Like how would you label yourself? Yeah, maybe I should tell you a bit of how I entered the entire blockchain space altogether. Sure. So five years ago, uh, so I'm primarily a researcher. Uh, uh, I'm uh, also a professor at Stanford University. So I'm a researcher. I training and uh, five years ago, some friend of mine told me about this Nakamoto's white paper. I've never read it before. I've heard about Bitcoin, never read it before. In fact, I thought, Hey, maybe this Bitcoin thing is all a scam. I don't know what it what is this. So I decided to read the white paper because my friend was someone I trust. So nine pages, it just completely blew me away. Like amazing piece of technology piece of innovation and uh yeah so that's how i got into the blockchain space so am i a bitcoiner yeah of course that's how i got into the space by reading nakamoto's white paper on bitcoin 
Love it. So I'd love to touch on this for a minute because I was watching an interview you did with Ash Bennington from Real Vision, and you you break down. So your 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 previous life, you did some pretty profound things in the wireless networking space, and so you were solving this problem of uh, you know trying to make these networks work more efficiently. And you said that the reason you love that problem is because wireless allows us to communicate in a way we hadn't before, and so globally now we can all communicate and then you you go on to say that the reason and i couldn't put words in your mouth so please clarify if i am but blockchains allow you to coordinate at scale so if wireless allows you to communicate at scale blockchains allow you to coordinate at scale so that that's kind of what i'm curious about is how do you how do you choose the problems to work on uh like going from wireless to blockchain does seem like a a weird like left turn so what do you find so so fascinating about going after these big, hairy problems? Yeah, first, I, I would like to argue that it is not a weird left turn or right turn. Um, and here's the reason why, right? So the basis of blockchain is our ability to communicate. Without being able to communicate, you cannot coordinate. So communication is the basic primitive, which was what I worked on in my previous life. But now, in some sense, I'm going one step up the food chain because communication is now a commodity. Everyone can communicate on a cell phone. So by providing, by provisioning communication bandwidth, it is a commodity. It has low value. What is more interesting is how to use that communication to coordinate in ways that we have never done before in the history of mankind. In other words, coordinate in a very large scale, but in a decentralized fashion without a centralized authority. And that is the problem I'm after. Got it. Got it. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it, this, this kind of leads into the decentralization ethos and open permissionless systems and censorship resistance. I think one of the really interesting ones, I was watching a video about, uh, it was Peter from Coin Center talking, he was like testifying to Congress about why, what is Bitcoin? And he has a simple line, which is that Bitcoin, besides cash, Bitcoin is the only other public payment infrastructure that exists. Everything else is private. And so it's this, it's this huge, huge unlock, um, which the more I think about it, it's just crazy to think about. And so I want to start to start to dovetail into what you're building. And I'm not sure how to exactly attack it because when you read your light paper, there's two things that hit you really quickly, which is one, proof of stake systems need capital. And then two, how big the Bitcoin asset class is. And so I'm, I'm curious when you're, when you're thinking about how to solve these coordination problems and you think about some of the problems that exist in, in this, um, what, what were some of the first pain points there? How, how did the origin of this kind of come about when you're thinking through how to attack this problem? Yeah, so... Yeah, so maybe I should take a step back on to sort of what research problems we've been focusing on in tackling this coordination problem. So one of the challenge of decentralized coordination is that there is no single party you can trust. In fact, that is the meaning of decentralization. Decentralization is to spread the control of a system up into many, many parties, some of which may be bad. However, you want to make sure that as a whole, the system still works well. 
And to do that, you need to have a way of, in, in some sense, ensuring or giving incentive for people to behave as they should behave by not through a centralized authority, but through incentive and disincentive. And that is the problem that I've been sort of focusing on, which is how to build protocols to have these appropriate incentive and disincentive to make sure a decentralized system will function as desired. Okay. Now, the best example of such a system that we have is basically Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a very decentralized system. There is no Nakamoto anymore. Nakamoto is nowhere to be seen at this point. So no centralized authority, uh, not even in spirit. And yet the system still functions day in and day out. That is the kind of system that we want to build. And, and what we say is that not only we want to build Bitcoin to have this property, we want sort of all blockchain systems in the world to have this property. Because I believe decentralization is something that is put forward by Nakamoto in the, in, in the instantiation of Bitcoin. But I think as a technology to, for the world, we want to go beyond Bitcoin. Bitcoin is like the best example but we want to bring the goodness of Bitcoin to the rest of the crypto world. And uh, that's sort of where, where we're going after. And so, which started us thinking, if Bitcoin is the best example of such a system, why not try to directly inherit the good property of Bitcoin and spread that to other systems and in, in such a way so this, you can think of this as like a way of scaling Bitcoin, but scaling the benefit of Bitcoin as opposed to just scaling the blockchain, for example, like making the blocks bigger. So uh, that has been what we've been working on. Now, if you think about Bitcoin, one thing is that people recognize is that it's a proof of work blockchain, right? A lot of energy and work has done in, in making sure that this chain is secure and decentralized. But... It is also, turns out, to be a huge asset, 500 plus billion asset. It's the largest asset in the blockchain space, in the crypto space, larger than all other blockchains combined, all other crypto assets combined. So now then we start thinking, okay, so we have all this asset. Is there a way to sort of make good use of this asset? to provide this so-called security benefit that I mentioned earlier to the rest of the blockchain ecosystem. And at the same time, and more, even more importantly, is to increase the value of this Bitcoin asset. Now, so in some sense, we're solving two problems at the same time. Number one problem is that we want to increase the value of Bitcoin. And why is that important? Well, as we all know, every four years, Bitcoin value a Bitcoin reward goes down by half. So we have to keep the value of Bitcoin high in order to keep the incentive of the miners to keep on mining and keep on keeping this Bitcoin chain secure. So this is like a almost like an existential importance to Bitcoiners. So that's number one. Number two is by providing this security value to the rest of the blockchain ecosystem. We can further amplify the value of Bitcoin as the best example of how to run a decentralized system. And so 
we're trying to uh, achieve two objectives at the same time. And the technology we came up with that helps us to achieve this goal, we call it Bitcoin staking. And that's sort of what we have been working on in the past while. Amazing. Okay, th th this does start to bring up where I have lapses in my knowledge. And so I think that uh, you mentioned decentralization and the Bitcoin space, uh, there's, there's some nuanced takes, but a lot of people see it as like proof of work is the gold standard. And then proof of stake is massively subpar when it comes to ability to be censorship resistant or keep itself decentralized. It's kind of like a, the, the rich get richer kind of mentality. And I don't have a strong understanding of proof of stake. I, I, I do at some level, I, the heaviest chain is the, is the best chain. And so there's something centralizing about proof of work. It doesn't make sense to have 10 different proof of work coins or, or, or cryptocurrencies. So the part that I'd love to get some more clarity on is like how how do you how do you view decentralization across these two broad ecosystems when it comes to proof of work as a mechanism and proof of stake as a mechanism? Is, is the claims that proof of stake is inherently centralizing because of the way that capital is brought in? Do those claims hold water? Yeah. So that's a really good point, right? So uh, proof of work is the first blockchain technology. Now proof of stake is the alternative or the second blockchain technology of how to achieve consensus. Now, um, so first of all, the basic argument is that, hey, maybe we should just have proof of work. Who cares about any other consensus technology? However, proof of stake does have certain advantages in terms of further expanding on the blockchain technology. So suppose you want to build a new chain to create some new applications. Well, first of all, Bitcoin is supposed to be a very secure chain, but focus on a single application. So Bitcoin is itself one application. And you don't want to overload Bitcoin with many different applications. So you want to innovate. So you want to build new application and you want a new chain to support that. So our thesis is that we should encourage people to build such new applications because innovation is good. Nakamoto innovated to come up with Bitcoin in the first place. So we should keep on innovating. But at the same time, it is hard for people to innovate by having to replicate all this proof of work infrastructure. It's very hard to get all these miners to mine your new chain for you. So, and so proof of stake in some sense is a way for us to innovate by building new chains. The problem with proof of stake, as you mentioned though, is it tends to be at least the current way of running proof of stake chain, it tends to be very centralized. And the reason is as follows. Okay, you're a founder of the chain. You get together a bunch of investors to fund your project. The investor throw in a bunch of money. So in other words, the, co the token supply initially is controlled basically by a small set of people. And these are the ones who are running the chain because it is a proof of stake chain. Okay. So, but that's is a way that the current proof-of-stake system is run. It is not an inherent property of proof-of-stake system because the inherent property of proof-of-stake system is that the security is maintained by people putting a collateral of deposit to secure good behavior. That is the essence of proof-of-stake. And it just happens that the way the current proof of stake chains are launched is that most of this capital or collateral 
is actually provided by the initial token holder of the native token. So our technology is basically saying the following, okay? It's saying that, hey, proof of stake chains needs capital collateral to maintain good behavior. It's like Airbnb, right? You stay in Airbnb, you need to put in a deposit to ensure the owner that you are actually a good behavior. So we do need capital, but that capital does not need, necessarily need to come from the native token or the investor's money who started this project. It could come from anywhere in the ecosystem, including the biggest supply of capital, which is Bitcoin. So our technology basically allows Bitcoin holders, anybody who holds Bitcoin, many of your audience, I'm sure, to be able to secure a new chain. In fact, their capital tends to be very decentralized because it's Bitcoin. And therefore, it helps these new projects to be number one, decentralized, and number two, to have the ability to innovate building on this secure foundation provided by the Bitcoiners. So that's the vision that we are going towards. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um... I'm curious about this interplay with with collateral because in the Bitcoin space the the costs are energy and equipment costs. So you have these these two external forces that are constantly being pushed against trying to find cheaper equipment, cheaper energy, and that's bracketed against the BTC price. And as you mentioned, the halving is a a big issue. So we'll see how the hash rate um, uh, you know responds. But that but that's an external force that keeps things in check, and so it's really hard to get enough energy. For an, a cheap enough price or enough equipment online to attack the network, for example, and you can typically see it coming online as like hash rate increases. You increase hash rate as well. How does that? How does that work with the collateral piece? Because it does seem like if you go back to the investor piece, like if you have a big nation state or something, and they want to just take over a chain, why can't you just dump a bunch of money in one one go? And if you owe enough of the ratio, like. I get these are dumb questions because I don't know proof of stake, but like, why why is that not a factor here? Yeah, so certainly there are some fundamental limitation of proof of stake, okay, compared to proof of work, and you never probably get as decentralized a network in proof of stake than Bitcoin, okay. However, what we're saying is that we can do actually much better than what we're currently doing now. And I think proof of stake chains is indeed a good way of building new innovation. Now, so what I'm trying to say is that Bitcoin holders, by virtue of the decentralization of the asset, could use our technology to have a significant role to play in terms of providing security to these proof of stake chains by providing the collateral themselves. So having a very decentralized Bitcoin holders necessarily protect the chain from such uh, centralization power. Got it. Okay. That, no, that makes sense. Um, on the protection piece, what is... I'm just trying... I don't understand... How do I word this question? Like, protection typically means there's some kind of cost for the person putting up the collateral. So it, there's, yeah. kind of, there's, an, there's an incentive to deter bad actors. And I've heard on ETH there's something called slashing, 
where That's if right. you do if you do some kind of invalid block, then you can have your capital cut. Um, is that a similar mechanism here, where if I put up my Bitcoin and it's Bitcoin staking to secure other networks, the the risk if I do bad behavior is Bitcoin slashed? Yeah. So I uh, I think this is a very important uh, concept that I want to make sure I explain clearly uh, in this discussion. Okay. So in proof of work, okay, if just to, let's start with proof of work since this is something that we're familiar with here in this uh, with your audience. In proof of work, the way that we maintain good behavior for the miners is the following, right? They invested a lot of capital in their mining equipment. They have secured a lot of electricity for the next year. Okay, they already paid for the electricity. So therefore, it is in their um, interest to behave well and not muck around and do crazy things because they've already invested a lot of capital and these mining equipment is really only useful for mining Bitcoin. So if Bitcoin falls, then the mining equipment loses in value. That's, that's the economic way of maintaining good behavior for, bit, for proof of work. Now, for proof of stake, however, it is different because uh, to achieve voting in proof of stake network, all you need to do is to provide capital. And that capital can be taken out if you think that this chain is not doing very well. This capital can be taken out and deployed in other ways. So it is much more fluid, liquid, for you to move the capital around. So therefore, to make sure that we have good behavior, we need to have a stronger financial disincentive. So in addition to incentive, which uh, Bitcoin has, we also need this incentive. And in proof of stake network, the disincentive is like the Airbnb example, which is that you put this stake in and if you behave well, then you can get your stake back and get some reward. But in case, in case you don't behave well, then part of the stake can be taken away from you as a collateral. Now, I should emphasize because, you know, taking away your Bitcoin seems like a very scary thing. But I would like to emphasize um, two things, okay? One is that this kind of risk, if you may think of a risk, it's very different from the risk, for example, that you put your Bitcoin on some DeFi platform. And the reason is because this risk is completely controllable. If you go and stay at Airbnb, you put your deposit down, and you can control your own behavior in this Airbnb. If you behave well, you should be able to take your deposit back. So this is, so most of people do not think of putting a deposit when they get an Airbnb as a risk because they don't think of themselves as a risk factor, right? You don't think of them yourself as a risk factor. So staking has very much similar type of risk profile, which is that it is something you can control yourself. It is not subject to external market conditions that you cannot control. So that's number one. Number two is actually empirically, there has been very little example of such slashing. This happens very, very rarely. Uh, in the past few years uh, since the proof of stake chains have been born. So that's sort of the 
empirical observation. So that I, I think that is very worth emphasizing that staking is kind of considered a very low risk in the, in the uh, investment as opposed to other types of DeFi investment. In fact, staking, many people argue, is not considered part of DeFi at all. Interesting. That's that's super super helpful. What is the for the the bad behavior in this case? Where is the who's the kind of jury in this case? Like if I'm you say I control my risk, so mm-hmm. I am I the one creating blocks or what? Where where is the yeah. judging? Uh, this is a, this, this is a very important question, right? Who is the jury, right? Because if there is some external third party that makes a subjective decision on whether you should be punished or not, this is not very good because the whole ethos of blockchain is that things should be trustless. And actually, in our protocol, it is completely trustless. So in other words, what is the evidence, the evidence that points to the fact that you should be slashed is completely provable on chain through cryptographic means. Okay. If, for example, uh, you know that in, 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 in Nakamoto, the biggest attack he was worried about is so-called a double spend attack. That is, you spend your asset twice. I, someone gives the asset to you and someone gives the same asset to me. That's a double spend. That's one of the worst attacks. So in Proof of stake chain, what we show in our protocol is that such a double spend attack can actually be provable because you are voting explicitly on two blocks on the same height to create a fork. And that is a cryptographic evidence because you are explicitly signing for both of the blocks. And this cryptographic evidence is can be converted into a slashing event through our protocol without any third party. Got it. Mm. Yeah, this this is this is super interesting. Where in this is what I call crypto magic. Yeah. Crypto magic. Yeah, no, this is cool. And, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of I talk to startup founders all day and uh, quite a few people are like, they'll say customers want yield on their Bitcoin just in a safe way. And we've seen this with some some use cases where it's like the block files and stuff like that, where they do centralized stuff and some magic behind the scenes to get you your yield. DeFi tries to do that too with speculative tokens or maybe a cut of revenue. But this seems like one other kind of like interesting play where you have Bitcoin and you can earn a yield on it uh, by locking it up in this in this way. The the yield piece is it? How is it paid out? Do you get a cut of transaction fees from change you're securing. Um, yeah, what's the revenue model here? What's the benefit to the Bitcoin side of the Bitcoin staking protocol? Yeah, so um, our technology is a primitive, okay? It is this Bitcoin staking. Now, given this primitive, you can apply in many different settings. So I'll give you two examples, okay? These are all real-world examples because we are in discussion with uh folks who wants to build a project using this BTC staking. So one example is, for example, suppose you want to build a roll-up on Bitcoin, okay? A roll-up on Bitcoin. And maybe this roll-up is to do, I don't know, order nodes marketplace for people to trade order nodes. 
and you want to put all those onto Bitcoin, but this is a coordination mechanism. Well, you can use BTC staking to secure this roll-up, to secure this roll-up. And so this is now, and the transaction fees you get from running this roll-up, hopefully a successful operation, the transaction fees will become part of that, will go towards the staking reward for this Bitcoiners who is helping to secure this roll-up. So this is one such example. So this is what I call helping Bitcoin to build vertically, to build on top of Bitcoin. But you can also think of uh, further away, maybe there are some other blockchains that you are, as the Bitcoin holders, you are interested in securing. It could be a proof-of-stake blockchain. It could be in a different ecosystem altogether. For example, it could be an Abitrum or a Cosmos, which is another ecosystem that say, hey, you know, we should think a bit broader and maybe there's some interesting projects outside the immediate area of Bitcoin. So Bitcoiners can also stake on those projects. You can think of staking, it's like providing an initial capital or investment in that project to help that project bootstrap itself. And if that project is successful, there will be rewards generated from the transaction fees or from the reward of the native token of that chain. And that will accrue back to the big corners, which help to secure that project. So that is another model. So these are potential use cases that we've been discussing with uh, partners about. Yeah. Got it. And what are the, for the people who want to participate in the Bitcoin staking side, what are the requirements? Do I have to run a node? Do I just lock up my capital? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it depends, right? If you are an institution, right? So suppose you are a miner, all right? So many miners actually also run nodes on proof of stake chains, actually. Because in some sense, running nodes on proof of stake chain and running mining is a similar type of activity, which is infrastructure providing. So many companies actually run both sides. So for these guys, they can take the Bitcoin from the mining operation and directly stake it on their own nodes. Okay. So that's one example. Another example could be that, hey, you are a small Bitcoiner and then you're not going to run your own node. You're not going to run your own node. So then you would have uh, some other people running some services and you can decide and stake your Bitcoin onto those validators. So in the language of proof of stake, this is so-called delegated proof of stake. That means you delegate your token, your Bitcoin in this case, to a particular validator that you think is trustworthy, that they won't do crazy things, they'll behave nicely, and then you stake your Bitcoin on to, valid, or to, to, to delegate to them. So that's the second way. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Um, cool. We've we've covered a lot. Start started to come up on time. I'm curious. We've covered Bitcoin staking, proof of stake. We haven't touched on Babylon, and I'm not exactly sure where Bitcoin staking starts and Babylon starts. So mm -hmm. what is, what is Babylon? Yeah. So Babylon uh, is a project that is behind building this Bitcoin staking protocol. So basically, we are a project of protocol designers and builders that design protocols and build these protocols. So that's uh, the main thing that Babylon does. Now, 
actually, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's that's basically what I want to say about Babylon. I don't know. That that that's good. That's good. Um, what is the so you you released your light paper about a month ago, I believe. Uh, yeah. What is what's what's the current status of the project overall? About like being able to go live, like I can use my BTC and start securing things. What's the status of the project right now? Yeah. So uh, since we launched the white paper, we got a lot of interest from many different people actually, and we've been talking to a lot of them just to give a sense of sort of the adoption roadmap here, right? So for example, we have been talking to uh, wallet projects like. OKX, okay. OKX exchange, they have a wallet, great. That wallet has a hundred K Bitcoin sitting there. Okay. There are, the users have a hundred K Bitcoin and they realize that 70 K of this hundred K Bitcoin is idle for a long time. And so they're very excited to integrate their wallet with our protocol so that the OKX users can take their idle Bitcoin onto this protocol and earn yield and at the same time providing security to new projects. So that's the one direction. Another direction, as I mentioned already, with miners. So we've been talking to a lot of miners and they're very interested in putting some Bitcoin with the initial launch of this project. So we're shooting to launch the mainnet for this project, uh, hopefully near the halving of next year. So that's the okay. roadmap. Before that, we'll build a test net by the end of the year to test out the protocol and then we will launch the main ad near halfing. Exactly. Exciting. Yeah. So so the you, you mentioned it's a primitive at some level. So is the main way that I would interact with this, you know, once it goes live is through Babylon like one entity or would I go but maybe I could go directly to a miner and stake it some other way or directly to a chain like What's the vision here? Is it a bunch of micro Bitcoin stakings or one kind of mega one that's like an ecosystem that could come us? Yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, so our, our thinking is the following, right? We provide sort of the underlying protocol, the underlying protocol, but there will be people running this protocol. For example, validators who are running this protocol, wallet providers that are running this protocol. So there will be many, many people running this protocol. But we form sort of the underlying infrastructure to help do the coordination to make sure that this protocol runs smoothly. So that's sort of the, our vision. And many people can build on top of this underlying protocol. So it's meant to be a very decentralized system. By nature of design, the protocol is trustless. There is no central party. There's no Babylon. You don't have to give Bitcoin to us so that we can stake for you. We don't owe your Bitcoin. Your Bitcoin is your Bitcoin. So that's the spirit of the protocol, yeah. Got it. Cool. Well, man, this this has been super interesting. So thank you for coming on. Is there any topic that I didn't touch on that you kind of want to espouse on or any closing thoughts? Yeah. So I just want to emphasize that, um, you know, uh, we have seen, so in the past six months, right, we have seen something quite exciting about Bitcoin is that actually Bitcoiners are quite interested in exploring new technology. An example of that's Ornos. Ornos, I think is a very good example that there's excitement. You've this interesting new use case of Bitcoin, it can excite a lot of people. And I think our work on BTC sticking is very much in that spirit, is to 
explore new use cases for Bitcoiners, which can benefit Bitcoiners, but at the same time benefit the rest of the ecosystem. But we want to do it in a very secure and safe manner. And that's why we put a lot of brain power into designing this protocol to be trustless. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, ordinals are an amazing innovation. I've definitely, it's opened my eyes to, I do think on a long enough time horizon, payments are probably going to be the bulk of the fees when it comes to these dense transactions. But actually, who knows? Like maybe it's a, you know, 40% and then the other 60 is these kind of like niche mash of cases like ordinals and staking and these kind of things. So uh, who knows how it's going to play out, but it's very interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, David, this has been a, a great conversation. Thank you for illuminating this kind of interplay between proof of work and proof of stake and what you guys are building with uh, Bitcoin staking. I'll have all the links to your socials down below. But uh, yeah, thank you for coming on and, and shedding some light and dropping knowledge. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jake, for having me here. Thank you for listening this far into the episode. If you found it enjoyable, please do like, subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening on. YouTube does me a huge favor to like and subscribe. Find me on Twitter at Jake Blockchain. Show me some love. I reply to every DM. And if you are a Bitcoin builder that is kind of at the forefront of building new use cases, whether it's L1, Lightning, Stacks, Rootstock, Rollups, Ordinals, BRC20. Uh, I want to talk to you. So when I'm not doing this podcast, I am the sourcing partner at the Bitcoin Frontier Fund, where we invest in Bitcoin startups at the earliest stages, give you access to whatever you need, whether it's legal, product, fundraising help, as well as capital. So let me talk to you. You can hit me up again. Find me on Twitter at Jake Blockchain. And uh, shoot me a DM. I'll, I'll read everything. Love to talk to you guys. All right. Peace. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way. But I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting now. I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out because I don't know.